0: Imagine a whole week without your phone, without your computer, without TV, and without radio. Some of you may say, wow, that sounds wonderful. Others may be immediately anxious at the thought of such a week. Many of you uh, have heard me speak before about silent retreats that I've been on. Usually I go on a silent retreat once a year, and usually it's either five days long or eight days long, and it always includes stepping away from the phone, the computer, the TV, and the radio. No media. And it's usually in these times on retreat that I have some of the most profound experiences in prayer. Sometimes the, the best encounters with God is whenever I finally step away from all the busyness and all the noise and all the distractions and I can encounter God in the silence. Because it's in the silence that God really likes to speak. And oftentimes when I come home, you know, the, the text messages, the emails, they've, they've piled up. And so usually, you know, right after the retreat, I'll spend some time, you know, replying and catching up. And, and it doesn't take long. Like maybe 30 minutes later, I'm exhausted. It's amazing how sensitive I become to the overwhelm of the, the media whenever I return to it after having stepped away from it. One time after returning from a treat, I remember uh, it worked out that I was able to go to the Turling's football game right afterwards. And I remember, you know, before the game, they have the, the, the music playing as everyone is warming up. And I just remember just like my ears were ringing. And I just remember turning to a coach and saying, does it not just seem so loud to you? It seems like they, they increased the volume this week. And the coach just laughed at me and said, no, it's the same as it always is. But my ears were sensitive to it because I was away from it for quite some time. And I believe that we don't realize how affected we are by all this media until we take a step away from it. And then whenever we return to it, we start to realize how much we've been affected by it. And listen, I'm not going to give a homily about how we all have to completely become Luddites, which is a, a fancy word for anti-technology people that don't use technology at all, like the Amish. I'm not going to be giving a homily on that. But I do believe that if we are not intentional about stepping away from it from time to time, that all of us will be enslaved to it. Because it has a powerful effect over our lives. And this, this setting free, this, this living in, in some type of order or balance with this technological world is not going to happen by accident. Because what we do know, more and more people from the tech companies are starting to come out and say that they design their products so that people will be addicted to it so that people will purchase their product. And it doesn't take rocket science to see it. It is intrinsically addictive. And so we need to learn how to have the proper boundaries in order to to be set free from it and to have a healthy relationship with technology so that we can rediscover what it means to be human. Today in the gospel, we hear the story of the transfiguration, which is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. A beautiful story about how Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up the mountain and they encounter Jesus in all of his divine glory. And you can just imagine, like, for Peter, James, and John, up to that point, they have never encountered such a mystical and divine experience like that before. Notice, though, that as he reveals his divine glory to them, it's on the top of a mountain, after six days on this mountain, away from the busyness of whatever they've been up to, away from the crowds, away from the noise, and away from all the distractions, and they go up the top of the mountain in this intimate setting with Jesus, and it's there that they encounter God. What I'd like to point out for you today there's so much to say about the transfiguration as is often the case with scripture there's always so much to say but just to focus in on one thing today I want to point out to you how Jesus is a new Moses and if you were here last week you heard a homily on how Jesus is a new Adam like Adam and Eve in the garden And this happens all the time where Jesus will kind of recapitulate or kind of fulfill or perfect a certain character in the Old Testament or a certain event of the Old Testament. And so right here at the Transfiguration, one of the things that's going on right here is that Jesus is revealing himself to be a new and a better version of Moses, the Old Testament prophet. So what did Moses do? Well, Moses did a lot, but one of the things, the most important things that Moses did is that he set his people free from slavery in Egypt and brought them to the promised land. But before they got to the promised land, there were 40 long years in the wilderness. So he set his people free and brought them to redemption. And in the same way, Jesus sets us free from slavery and brings us into the promised land of heaven. But before we get there, we have these long years of our lifetime to kind of battle sin and be set free from sin in order to choose God and to to uh, be purified and ready for heaven. And so it kind of lines up pretty well, but, but the transfiguration in particular lines up a lot with Moses. So uh, one of the scenes that happens in Moses, it's Exodus chapter 24, and another scene in Exodus chapter 34, Moses is on Mount Sinai, both scenes. And after six days, on the seventh day on Mount Sinai, Moses takes Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu up the mountain, and they encounter God. Well, right here, the transfiguration. It's after six days that Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up this, uh, the top of, of Mount Tabor, and Jesus reveals himself as God. So the seventh day is parallel, but also the three men, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu. Aaron is the high priest of the people of God at the time, and Nadab and Abihu are brothers, and they're also part of the priestly tribe and, and, you know, kind of overseeing the people. Peter, James, and John. Peter is kind of like a new version of a high priest. He's the first pope. He's a chosen apostle to be the leader of the apostles, and James and John are brothers but part of the apostles the chosen 12 of Jesus the face is similar Moses' face reflects the divine glory of God and it shines brightly as he comes down the mountain right here in the transfiguration Jesus' face transfigures and shines brightly for um, Peter James and John There's a cloud. The cloud symbolizes the Holy Spirit. It's known as the glory cloud in the Old Testament, and it appears a few times throughout the story of Exodus, but ultimately it it signifies God's presence, and it's there at the top of Mount Sinai whenever God reveals himself to Moses, Nadab, Abihu, and Aaron. Well, there's a cloud with Jesus um, and Peter, James, and John on Mount Tabor. This cloud comes, and it's a bright cloud. And then from the cloud is a voice. So in Exodus, there's this voice that speaks from the cloud, and it's understood to be the voice of God. Right here on Mount Tabor, the voice of the Father. God the Father speaks and says, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. So it's not by accident. God knows Scripture. He did this on purpose. He set the scene up in order to reveal a parallel to Moses. Why? Because Jesus sets us free from sin, and brings us to the promised land, the heavenly kingdom. This revelation of God happens a lot throughout Scripture. It's often referred to as a theophany. Theophany is just a revelation, usually a visible revelation of God's presence. But we too have theophanies in our own lives, some of us maybe have had like an actual visible something, you know, like a, a vision. But that's that's more rare. But all of us, hopefully, have had at least some type of experience where we really felt God's love for us. Where we really were convinced of God's presence in our lives. Where we, we just understood and we were overwhelmed and overcome with God in our life. Here and now, I hope and I pray that you've had at least one, if not multiple experiences like that in your life. And I'm just going to call those theophanies. But you might be thinking, man, I haven't had one of those. Or you might be thinking, wow, it's been a long time since I've experienced something like that. So I would like for us to take this next question very seriously and just be very honest with ourselves. How quick are you throughout the course of your day? How quick are you to distract yourself with a phone, computer, TV, or radio? Whenever you find yourself with just a moment of free time, maybe it's just a few minutes, maybe it's, it's an hour or two, how quick are you to just like reach to the nearest technological advice and turn it on? How quick are you to pull out that phone and start scrolling or to check your emails or to check your text messages? How quick are you to like get onto the computer and surf the web, surf, you know, Amazon to see something that you want to purchase or to watch YouTube and just to kind of go from video to video? How quick are you to turn on the television just to have background noise because you're so deathly afraid to feel lonely in the house? How quick are you to turn on background music because the thought of silence is deafening and terrifying? I believe that we have become too attached. It's not that technology is always bad. There's a lot of good that comes from it. But if we're not careful, we become victim to this constant search for pleasure. So some of you may be familiar with a priest named Father Mark Mary. He's a CFR, a Franciscan friar up in New York, and he does a lot of good work. And he, said, he puts it this way. He says that nowadays, we too often trade theophany for dopamine. Instead of theophany we choose dopamine. We choose the nearest pleasure at hand. And usually that dopamine, I mean, there's all kinds of things that, that give us dopamine. Dopamine's that, that um, chemical in the brain that uh, it's the, the pleasure uh, chemical, you know, whenever we feel good. So that's not always bad, but we we have so much opportunity for that at our fingertips that that many of us have overdosed on dopamine. And so the slightest withdrawal of any type of immediate gratification makes us stress out and freak out. And then what well, we also know through science, there's been a lot of research in, this, in the secular world, in the medical world, knowing it's kind of like a seesaw. So when we overdose on dopamine, it's just like the seesaw eventually just comes right back over. And then we kind of experience this depression. And then after we feel that depression, we kind of get anxious and we have to medicate with more dopamine. Dopamine. And unfortunately, instead of experiencing God in the silence, we search for media to numb, medicate, and satisfy our miserable hearts. What if we had the courage to do a dopamine fast? What if we chose this Lent? to use less media. You might be thinking, oh, I already chose my Linton and so I'm already two weeks in. I don't think it's too late for us to maybe at least consider a little bit less media. I'm not necessarily saying you have to get rid of all of it immediately, completely. That may not even be possible. But what if we watched less TV this, this Lent? What if we put some screen time limits on our phone what if we had less time in front of the computer what if we had less music in the background this lit i think it's going to make you uncomfortable i think you may not like it you may get frustrated you may feel lonely you may feel anxious you may feel depressed for a temporary hot second but if we have the courage to not be enslaved to this stuff. I do believe that we can discover God in this. I do believe that God is waiting. He just so anxiously waiting to reveal himself, to give each of us these theophanies. But we're too afraid to make space for it. Way too afraid to allow God into those vulnerable places of our hearts. Instead, we'd rather trade theophany for dopamine. I know it's hard, but I can speak from experience in my own life. The further and further away I, th- well, that didn't make sense, that statement. Let me try again. The more and more steps I take away from media, the more human I feel, the more peaceful I feel even in the midst of a chaotic week. The more joyful I feel, the more attentive I am to others, the more comfortable I am in my own skin. It's just amazing. And I know I still have to use technology. That's just part of living in this world. But I believe that if we have a honest conversation about it, I believe together we can find solutions. What if we instead of trading theophany for dopamine traded dopamine for theophany amen